there's definitely been a big shift in how we work. And I don't think we're going back to working exactly in the way that we did before. What are the sorts of things that we need to do so we stay effective? Much of the talk throughout the pandemic has been about, oh, my team's been so productive. They're just getting stuff done. Great. But is it the right stuff? Mm -hmm. um, you know, wonderful. Are they there to help you solve those problems that just the new stuff that keeps coming across your desk that you're looking at it thinking, how do I deal with this? Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. everyone. I know today is going to be a knockout episode. I'm super pumped to be joined by the fabulous Janice Francisco, founder and CEO of Bridgepoint Effect. It's a Canadian-based international company that helps business owners, executive leaders, and their teams to tap into the power of a deliberately creative process to identify problem-solving innovations. Janice focuses on improving innovation outcomes in organizations, and to do that, she's developed the Think Up Innovation Framework and the Innovative Instructional Systems Design Model used in Bridgepoint Effects training programs such as Mindset Reveal and Collaboration to Produce Results, and we'll be talking more about that later on in the episode. So with practical toolkits and high-caliber coaching that gives you structure, skills, and support needed to build an effective team. Janice helps leaders to love leadership again. I won't rattle off all of her credentials. You can read more on the website, uh, bridgepointeffect.com. All the links to everything we mentioned will go in the show notes for the episode, which you can get from leveragedbusinesspodcast.com. Needless to say, Janice is the real deal in terms of her expertise and experience in applied creativity and innovation management and building team practices and cultures that support change and innovation. And we've very much been in the same space in many respects in our consulting work. She researches this stuff. She speaks internationally on this stuff and helps boards and government on this stuff. And crucially, she's created amazing practical tools that generate results fast. What's remarkable too for me is the clarity of the ideas. Whenever Janice sends out an email or a LinkedIn post, I'm all over it because what she says is straight down the line, addressing some of the very real challenges that we face each and every day in business, in the workplace, and sometimes even in our family and friend circles that have to do with how we communicate and work with others. And she always gives amazing food for thought on how to go about finding and fixing the issues. Well, today you're going to pick up a ton of incredible insights from my guests because this is her absolute genius zone and she's helped so many businesses and teams to do some amazing innovations that they would never have been capable of before. And I know this because one of them is another client of mine. And this is why I'm so delighted to have her on the show. So I hope your ears are open and you're not distracted by other things. Janice, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast. I'm really excited for our conversation today. 
Thank you, Jay. That was such a kind introduction, and it is really great to be with you. Cool. So let's dive in. As you know from our work together, I'm all about finding ways to create leverage in business to enable growth, scalability, sustainability, and both creativity and collaboration go hand in hand to make all of that possible, right? They certainly do. And <laughs> you know, when you think about leveraging a business, you're, you're looking for new ways of doing things, right? So it's quite natural. You've got to bring some creative thinking and you've got to bring some innovation into that. Otherwise, you're just doing the same thing that you've always been doing. And that's not going to get you to the outcome that you need. Very true, very true. In fact, coming up with the title for this episode is quite challenging because change, challenge, creativity, collaboration, innovation, they're all interrelated in terms of how we think, act and perform effectively in a team. They are. It's, it's interesting. As I started to do a lot of the work in this field, I, um, as you know, I started initially in, in the change field doing business transformation work. And as I moved more into the innovation space with my clients, what I started to realize was that a lot of people who were engaged in innovation had no clue around how much change they were creating in their organization. And there's always been a talk around when you're innovating, you are learning, you've got to experiment, you've got to figure things out as you go. And so when you uh, see a lot of the literature, you talk to a lot of the organizations where they're building innovation teams, they, they talk about that a lot. It's like, let's go out experiment, let's try and fail, let's do this, let's do that. But what they also forget is that learning piece. And it was this big aha for me one day when I went, okay, you're doing innovation, you need to be learning, and you're changing things. And so I came up with this little formula that said, innovation equals change and learning. It's just, it's, they all have to go hand in hand. If you're doing any one of those, you are in some way engaging in the others. And I think it's really important for people to keep that in mind because there's a ripple effect to the, the things that we do. So if we're trying to leverage our business or if we're trying to make some changes to how we do our work, there's going to always be some, some aspect of those that come into play. Yeah, I love that ripple effect. I mean, I haven't really thought about it in, in that way. I mean, I mean, really, as a business owner, what we want in business or as a company is to achieve better results and how we get there is is sometimes not the way that got you to the point you are now you've sometimes got to do something completely different and i think for the business owner it's also about not feeling that it's all on them that's very much something i've picked up from some of the things i've read from from your work um and maybe even enjoying being a ceo again because it's kind of just got so overwhelming and stressful and your focus Janice, is on leveraging the creativity and collaboration to support change and innovation, but how would you describe the dynamic of that ripple effect and how the pieces fit together? Well, that's an interesting question. So let me see if I can come up with an example. So, you know, we hear a lot in organizations around siloed functions, right? Mm -hmm. And so here we are in the group that we work with, and we decide we're going to do something different. We realize we need to do something different. And so we go about working on that, and then we don't necessarily think beyond the walls of the group we work in. 
So we go about doing it, we plan it out, we get the work done, we get the process sorted out, we get the new system in place, and we don't talk to the people who are going to be impacted by it. And we don't think about that. We get so far down the road, we get excited about what we're doing. We, you know, we're about to flip the switch and go, oh my God, we've got our shiny new thing. And we haven't engaged those other people in that process. So the ripple effect is that, you know, we hear about people having resistance to change. We hear about uh, things not going according to plan or things not being able to get implemented. Well, it's because right off the bat, we didn't engage the people that we needed in that. And we didn't necessarily find the best solution either, because when we bring more thinking to the table and we do that in a structured way, we can find a far better solution. And we might find that we can make it easier on ourselves too. I'm all for let's find the easy way to get this done, right? There's a lot of work involved in trying to change something and, and leverage something in your business. But it involves getting the right people, the right thinking, and being really strategic around what you can do so that it becomes easier in the end. Yeah, and, and gather those ideas. I mean, it's kind of like a, a 360. Some of the things that we do with teams and those silos, they're so grounded, aren't they? People are so used to their way of thinking. And also they don't understand why the other team does something the way that they do. So cross-functional misalignment happens quite often and getting everybody into a room and doing something participatory we were just talking about this before we hopped on the the podcast interview it's very interesting because those ideas come from the client facing people if you like and I remember the story of the there was a a big tall lorry stuck in front of a bridge and it couldn't get under and there were all the managers and engineers were all out there trying to work out a solution right how they were going to get this lorry past the bridge they were talking about taking bricks away and um, the easiest solution as you said the little boy at the side of the road was the one that said why don't you let the air out the tires <laughs> and I love that story because it says so much about asking uh, you know for ideas um, from people who are you know just observing from a distance almost but um, people who are definitely going to be impacted you know, it's it's really good. That reminds me of a, a situation I had with a client where uh, they were in the finance industry and they really wanted to engage their team in bringing some new ideas and bringing some new ways of working into the organization. So there was a large focus on, please go out and just find one thing. So it was like, how do we make this easy for people to understand that they can do it? And the lar large part of the work that I do is I coach leaders on how to get their staff involved and engaged um, and, and how to walk the talk that they're, of the things that they're asking for. So we've got to have some coherence and some congruence in, in what they're asking and how they're behaving. And so in this particular case, we just asked the team, there's about 50 people in the department, and we said, just as, as small groups, you know, for each leader, you have to come up with one thing that you realize isn't working and that you would like to fix. Just one thing, just find something that you feel needs to be fixed. But what we did was we set it up in a way so that there had to be a lot of reflective thinking and learning. They had to understand the consequences of what they were doing, and we needed them to understand the power that they had in making the change. We needed them to step up. And what was interesting was 
one of the groups went along and implemented or, or worked out this fantastic, I mean, it really was going to add some value to the organization. It was going to solve a problem that everybody was bugged about for a long time, but they didn't involve the other people. And when we asked them to come back and share what, what happened so that the accountability was experiment, but pay attention to what happened and come back and honestly tell us what happened. And we set it up to basically say, we don't care whether you're successful or not. What's important is you engaged in the process and you learned from it. Now, that was a very different set of criteria for them to try something new on, because normally it's go do this and get it successfully implemented. And what came back was this really interesting awareness. And it, it was like, you know, you can't teach somebody this in a classroom. This is the sort of stuff that has to happen on the job in real work. And that's why so much of what we do is structured on those interchanges in the workplace. Because the team came back and said, we thought what we had was fantastic. But the moment we went to get it implemented, the moment we told all of the people about it, they looked at us like we were idiots. And what we realized was we'd completely missed the opportunity to get their side of the story of why it wasn't working for them either. And so we, we created a solution that only dealt with part of the problem. We didn't have that 360 view, as you said, right? And so they went, you know, that was humbling. That, was, that made us realize that there is that ripple effect of everything we do in the organization is connected to something else that someone else is doing. And if we can start to look at that much more holistically, look at things from a more of a systems perspective as we're trying to do our change or our innovation or the leverage that we're working to get, we can do a much better job of finding something that's really going to hit that sweet spot and getting a much better result in the end. That's so interesting because we, I mean, we do this with scenario planning. You know, when you're looking at risk benefits, of a change, but we do it at the macro, you know, strategic level. But I think what I'm hearing is, you know, why not do it also like in real time, scenario plan it, you know, make the change, see what happens. But I think what you're also saying is that reflection of the humbling. I think that's such a good word there because I think managers think they know best. And as a business owner, you think you know best. You think you've got the oversight the full view of things whereas actually as it as that ripple effect goes down you lose a lot of the the granularity that you need of what's actually happening on the ground so i love that example i i love your example about the risk i can't tell you how many times it, and it came up yesterday too i was talking with someone but i can't tell you how many times i've heard particularly from it teams right every it transformation project, digital transformation project has a whole set of here's the risks, here's right, they go through them. But they go through it from the standpoint of what they have to put in the project plan, right? It's the checkbox of things. So macro high level, you know, this is likely, that's not so likely, right? They have this fantastic little formula of all of it, but they never get down into the reality of what could happen and, and what those implications are going to be. And so they, they report this information at a surface level and the board and everybody kind of goes, yep, okay, okay, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then one day it happens and it's like, 
you told us you had this risk managed. You told us, it's like, no, it isn't managed. It was identified, but we didn't do any deeper thinking on it. We didn't look at who was going to be involved in that. We didn't look at what do we do if that happens? We just said, eh, we'll do this, right? So it's done very much at a surface level. And I think, again, it it misses opportunities and it it's just not realistic. And in today's environment, where so much is changing, where so much of what we are living is, you know, the realization that there's a lot out of our control. Um, you know, the illusion that we could keep things in control is constantly being burst, you know, for all of us. It really and, 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 you know, disruption is the reality, right? Like pivoting is what we need to do. But when you do those things in a knee-jerk reaction, where you do those at a surface level, and you do that in a vacuum, you just don't get good results. Or you create more work and headache for yourself than you really need. Yeah, we'll talk about some of those shifts, and particularly, you know, pandemic, post-pandemic, wherever you are in that, in that, uh, in this journey that we're all on. I'm interested as well, though, in, I mean, you, you talk about surface level and knee-jerk reactions, but even the ones that, that think they're not at the surface, I mean, it's very much operations focused. And I think the dimension that you're talking about here is, you know, the look up, look down, look across kind of thing is the people level dimension that often gets overlooked. And I think particularly in IT, where they're, they're maybe more minded towards the operations, the mechanics of it than the, the mindset piece and the culture change pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had a, a really interesting uh, conversation this past week, and it was, it was about the perception around the kind of work that people are doing. And I think this really uh, helps to frame that up. In much of our work, when you think about it, we're doing transactional things. We're, we're doing, you know, business is organized around repeatable process, right? We have accounting to run every month. We have different, right? It's just, you just do it the way it needs to be done. The challenge when we're in situations where we want to leverage our business or we want to start to make changes is that we're moving out of, we're, we, we have to step out of looking at what we're doing as transactional. And we have to look at it as something that's transformational. So what's the transformation we want to make to how we're doing these transactions on a regular basis? And so many people just come to work, they do the same work over and over and over again. But then if something shifts in the environment, that way of doing work is challenged. And the only way to figure out how to do that better is to step out of that and look at what is the change in the transformation that we can make. So we make the changes to get things back to a steadier state or you know, a new state. It's like we're constantly incrementing, you know, what we're what we're doing. But we can't do that at a transactional level. We can't do that as if everything is the same. We need to be able to step out and do something else with it. Totally. I mean, that's a really neat segue into the next point, really. On your website homepage, I, I see you meet this dilemma head on because you say that team, that team innovation or change issue you have is actually a collaboration problem. And you know, so you immediately know what what you do. It's about teams, but it's also that then you challenge the thinking again with let's start with you. So is self-awareness for the business owner, for the leader, is that the first place to start as someone leading a team? 
I think it comes into play very, very much, right? We, the mindset we bring to the mix is going to have a really big impact on the people around us. Now, in the work that I do, though, um, I'm going to say that I work a little more subtly on that. So, yes, I think it's really important people have an awareness of how they naturally approach challenges and solving problems and doing things. So that's part of where we start with you, uh, because you need to know how you're wading into this mess. And then you also need some respect around or be able to have some respect around the diversity of how other people are wading into the mess. And somewhere in that middle, we figure some stuff out. So the awareness of self in, in that change process or that problem solving process is, is pivotal because what that does is it gives us a gateway or a pathway, I call it, to figuring out how we're going to navigate through the rest of it. So that's one thing, but I think the, the other aspect to your question is, do we sit there and make a lot of change or, or whatever on the leader? Well, when a team isn't collaborating as well as it can be, when, a, when an organization is having difficulty moving through the change and innovation that they need to do, someone's leading that. And we need to look at what is happening in the behaviors on the team that enable the team to not do the work and not do the collaboration the way that the leader needs it. Um, so we need to take a look at that. And, and so I guess the simplest way to say this is this. When, when a leader says to me, hey, this is what's going on on my team. I'm not seeing this and I'd like to see that. It's like, okay, great. I can give you structure and process to help the team to get to that level. And let's take a look at what you're doing to allow them to continue to act like that. So there's two things happening. We're looking at what are we doing in that system that keeps people in that behavior? And what's the subtle change that the leader needs to do so that they don't keep doing what they're doing? And typically we find that the team is relying quite a bit on the leader or the leader is kind of the, the central point of decision-making and all the work. And really what most organizations are looking to do is create autonomous teams that are self-directed, that can manage themselves, right? That can just get things done and aren't a burden to the leader. And, you know, the leader can do the strategic work. The leader can, you know, set the vision and kind of go, hey, we're going over here. Well, if you want a team to get to that high performing level, you need to get out of their way, but you also need to be able to trust them to be able to do the work that you're asking for. And so we're just doing some very subtle things to look at, you know, what is allowing people to still look to you for all the answers. If you're giving them the answers when they ask the question, they're never going to figure something out for themselves. If you're not encouraging them to go out and figure it out, if you're not saying, you know, have you engaged these people? Have you talked to those people? You know, what work have you done to figure this out so far? Far, Tell me your process. What have you done? If you're not asking those questions to direct how they're doing their work, you're not going to get them to be in a place where they can work differently. Is that making sense? It makes a lot of sense. And, it, and it's, so, it's so similar as well to the coaching relationship. It's kind of, it's kind of spooky how similar it is, is that... <laughs> You know, it, it goes from both sides, right? You know, it's not all about the coach, like, 
directing staff and you know advising and telling them what to do you don't want the, the person you're coaching to be dependent and you don't want your team to be dependent on you as the leader but you know total autonomy probably is the other extreme isn't it and i think the other thing that you talk about is you know when you're responsible for leading a team it's easy to be stressed out when your team's not working like it should you talk about that quite a bit and it can cost you a lot of time and so when we're talking about leverage you know if you want to get some time back then make sure your team is actually functional not, not dysfunctional whether or not you're there on them or you know what's your style with them what's your leadership style with them and it is a bit like learning a new dance and so sometimes when you've got a change and you can't have those transactions and you can't have the status quo you've got to find a new way of interacting i presume and that that's not something you just suddenly change and do it's actually something that has to perhaps happen gradually like a realization that there's a different way of us working together right and i think it's it, it i love your analogy of a dance it's a dance between the leader and a dance between the team and a dance between the team members you know, I, I was party to a conversation this past week, and it was really interesting because it was a group of leaders looking at the impact and change to the way the workplace has shifted, right? So there's a lot of talk about the future of work and what is it going to look like? And, you know, it seems like corporations have more or less accepted the fact that we're moving into this new work model that has some level of remote, you know, is hybrid, might be fully virtual, whatever. There's definitely been a big shift in how we work. And I don't think we're going back to working exactly in the way that we did before. But in that process of recognizing that the way that we work has shifted, the way that we lead has to shift too. So much of having people around you and looking at them and seeing them go through the day, you know, the day is you know, a leader has been able to get a sense of what are people doing? Who's working hard? What's happening? Right? That sort of thing. Well, now we can't see that. And so it, it's not about showing up to work. It's about the results that you get. You need to manage two results in a different way. And your team needs to be able to reach out and do things with each other to get the collaborative work done when there is a need for collaborative work. And they need to rethink, when do we do work that is important to quiet work? When do we do work that really does require collaboration? How are we going to do that? How are we gonna manage the handoffs? What are the sorts of things that we need to do so we stay effective? Much of the talk throughout the pandemic has been about, oh, my team's been so productive, they're just getting stuff done. Great, but is it the right stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, wonderful. Are they there to help you solve those problems that just the new stuff that keeps coming across your desk that you're looking at it thinking, how do I deal with this? Because there's been a lot of that that's been dropped on all of our desks, right? We've had so many things to figure out. And if we as leaders are sitting there doing that on our own, there's an entire untapped resource that could take a lot of that burden off of us and we will definitely find a better result through some of the examples I've already said. As soon as you ask the other people who are in that mix what's going on for them, you see and hear things that you hadn't even thought about. So you can move people through a thinking process and you can get a far better result when, when you're looking at those sorts of things. So I think the way we need to manage our people, the way that we're going to manage our businesses is going to be shifting significantly. 
the conversations I have with people is, oh, you think this has been a lot of change? Hang <laughs> on. You've seen nothing yet, baby. There's so much more coming. And I think it's just that we'll see layers of it. Uh, you, you know, we, we're waiting in. We're, and that's the challenge. You know, I've been training for this kind of work for, I don't know, 15 years now. I, I specialize in that messy, complex, we have never done it before, frigged if we know how we're going to do it. You know, and that's the sort of thing that we're all dealing with more and more. And those are the kinds of challenges where we really need to be involving other people and helping us solve them. Yeah, I, very much so. I totally, I feel like we're, we're at the beginning of a different kind of wave in some, in some respects in terms of transformation. And I think, you know, even at the best of times, many of us are challenged to work with people because people are, they're all different and they're not like us and it's kind of weird. Um, and so they've got their own styles of doing things. And also there's a lot of stress in their lives outside of work now that, you know, doesn't even get to show up that's going on behind the scenes. So, you know, and empathetic leaders and et cetera, et cetera. What I wanted to ask you was how this played out for a business owner who's maybe their team isn't kind of an employed set of staff. It's, you know, they've got a number of VAs. They all work sort of discreetly and separately in different parts of the world, maybe. How, how does this play out for them? That is a fantastic question. And you know what? Um, I've had to work like that. And I've, I've worked with many clients in that situation too, with, with environments where you're subcontracting people, you're bringing them in. And one of the things that's really important to remember is that whether they're a VA team or whether they're sitting in your office team, they still are a team. And their, their reason for coming together, right? The reason we form teams is to solve problems and advance our goals. Well, if you are bringing people into that mix and they don't understand your purpose, your vision, where it is you're going, what makes you tick, what's important, they can't make decisions and they can't move things for you. If you don't have a structure for how you're going to work together, um, and you don't have clarity around, you know, roles and responsibilities, those sorts of things, it becomes difficult to move those problems through. So one of the things that I really uh, have gravitated to, uh, and I just, when I came across this and I realized the potential for it, I went ding, 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 like, here's the magic formula. You can structure a lot of the work you do with your team around creative problem solving as a methodology to help your team move through the challenges. And part of what I do with teams or what we suggest with teams is, you know, to your point, everybody on your team is working from a different song sheet about how they approach challenges. Everybody's going to see that challenge very differently than you do. And yet they're still bringing some really good brilliance to it. So what we do to get everybody gelling together very quickly is we give them a very short 10 minute assessment that looks at how they naturally engage in a creative process. It's a universal process that we know through the research that everybody is engaging in. So what we do is we surface four phases of thinking that people like to move through or gravitate to when they're solving problems. And we give them some insight as to how they like to approach it. Then we show them that when we're working to solve problems together, what we want to do is be aware of the fact that we need to pay attention to the kind of thinking that we need 
and we need to pay attention to where we are in that process. So if we're at the start of a brand new problem, we would naturally need to be clarifying what it is, you know, get, gathering up some data on it, uh, sorting out what the problem really is, and making sure that we're focused on the right things. Um, from there, we would look at generating ideas or coming up with options on how we would get that resolved. We would then choose the best options, get them developed up and move it along, and then we would be able to get something to implementation. Well, if we can have a common language on the team around what is the work we're doing, how are we doing it, you know, if we've got a common process and we have the clarity or the ability to manage ourselves and manage our emotions through that process, we can then come together much more powerfully focused on, hey, here's the problem we're solving. Here's where we are in the process. Here's what we need to do today. Can we go? And that brings everybody together. So we, we have a practice every time we bring on a new a person, we send them through this, this training and we give them this assessment. And then we sit down and we look at everybody else on the team and, and where everyone else is coming from so that they can understand who they can leverage. You know, you're, you're all about leverage, right? If we can learn how to leverage that diversity rather than get pissed off about it and frustrated about it when somebody isn't looking at something from the same way we are, if we don't have a very kind way to say, hey, I know you need to clarify and I know you like to ask lots of questions, but you know what, right now, I need you to help me come up with ideas. That's all I'm focused on because we've already done that work. So if we can find a way to communicate and work through those things in a very compassionate way with people and a kind way so that we can keep people focused, that makes it easier. So you've got to find ways to keep people focused on what it is you're doing. And in a small business and in a large business, things change quickly. But imagine being at the start of every meeting going, okay, here's the issue we're working on today. Where are we in this process? What's going on? What's the thinking we need here? What's our next step? You know, that puts a structure on things to keep you moving very quickly. And it allows you to be agile through all of the things that keep shifting. I mean, we're all dealing with all kinds of stuff at this point. Wow, that gives us so many things to start doing differently right away. I had so many questions come up there as you were speaking. This seems like a good place to take a pause. I know we have lots more to explore. So join us next week for part two, where we'll look towards entrepreneurship and how businesses can build a team that supports their vision and understand where innovation fits in. So we'll see you next time for part two. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. 
So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.